Comics. Comics. Welcome to ORP, otherwise known as Omen Revelations Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nunley. And I'm your co-host, uh, Steve Sellers. On ORP, we like to talk about geek stuff, pop culture, including movies and TV series, as well as comic books and comic characters. Uh, but that's not all, is it, Mike? No, it's not, Steve. We're also writers for Omen, Omen Comics and Revelation Comics. So we like to talk about both writing and our comics. So podcast and chill with us. On today's Indie Comics Creator Spotlight, Steve and I are talking with Justin Bartz from Amazing Action Comics. Justin is the creator writer of the Project Shadowbreed universe, its namesake title, and its second title, Red Hyena. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself there, Justin? Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Justin Bartz. I'm a Leo. I enjoy long walks on the beach. Spaghetti is one of my favorite foods. Um, I'm not a Lions fan. Uh, they're a terrible football team. <laughs> and uh, I enjoy making comics. How's everyone doing? <laughs> right on, right on. That was that. That was a cool introduction. Oh, so, um, <laughs> so uh, there's. Uh, I want to let's let's go ahead and 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 jump in jump into this here. Um, there is a little bit at the beginning of Project Shadowbreed number one where you talk a little bit about how you were urged by your wife to collect the stories you had been working on. Um, but I was hoping to, you could elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, what, what inspired you to make these stories to begin with? And how long had you been working on it all before uh, you put it all together? Oh, yeah, that's a perfect place to start. Um, I, like most people, got into comics you know, at a young age. And then I hit high school and football practice and guitar and girls kind of took over for me. So <laughs> I, fell out of, I fell out of the comics, but was still, you know, watching all the movies and would kind of keep up on it. And then, you know, fast forward some years to the adulthood and I'm married and, you know, I got a 12 hour, uh, 12 shift hour. Uh, wow. Hold on. A 12 hour shift job on third shift at the time. And, uh, I programmed a laser and would have to watch it cut steel. And so it was boring as hell. And so, and we couldn't have music. And so I started just making up stories in my head because it plays like a movie. And so I would just start making up, you know, movies in my head about these characters. And, and then I started writing them down so that I could remember stuff and kind of pick up the movie where it left off from the night before. And uh, my wife started reading this notebook that I started carrying in from work every day. And she was like, what is this? And I started laughing and I said, well, uh, to entertain myself at work, I go, I've been just making up these characters and stories in my head and started just, you know, writing them down. And, you know, I don't know, it's something I'm just doing. And she started reading them all. And she comes and tells me that one of the things that she's always wanted to be was an editor. And so I was like, that's weird. I've always had all these stories and I'm like, but I'm terrible at spelling. So why don't we, why don't we uh, put this together? And so I, you know, started writing scripts and started handing them to her 
and we would get into drop down drag out fights over something that was just words on a computer screen because <laughs> she would she'd tear them apart and tell me that's stupid that doesn't make sense you know that's when you're a writer you put your heart and soul into these great ideas totally. that you come up with you know and then someone that you love is like that's stupid why did you say that like that doesn't make sense and you're like well, you don't make sense, and your chicken salad's stupid too. So, <laughs> marital bliss at its finest. <laughs> and so, like after, like I, I literally had to swallow my pride and be like, you know what? She's, she's doing this out of love, and I gotta, I gotta just take it, you know. And so, you know, we, I came and told her, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna trust you. Um, so let's, you tear me apart and break me down, make me sound smart. I will figure it out the rest. And we ended up getting, uh, you know, we found an artist who, you know, loved the idea that we came up with. And we fast forward, uh, to making the actual first volume and, you know, we're, uh, we're knocking out stories that I used to just play in my head, uh, to pass the time at work. And yeah, that, that's how this all kind of started. How much how much time transpired from that uh, programming the laser at work to uh, actually putting it all together and writing it down? I would probably say that was a good year from probably 2014 to 2015. That is what I did a lot of was just just writing in notebooks and it not going anywhere. And then about 2015 really getting into it and starting the actual like looking up how to write a script and put together a, a full storyboard and everything and and then just developing the characters it was probably a good i'd say year and a half of us just working before we actually were launching stuff in about 2016 ish wow wow that's uh that's quite a journey and, and actually i can i can relate to i can relate to a lot of that um uh, with the whole, uh, you know, a lot of my ideas come from just sitting there working and you, you got to find something to occupy the mind there. So I totally, I totally get that. A lot of, a lot of what I do is made that way too. Um, driving for me. Yeah. Driving, See, that works too. Was that driving you? Yeah, driving. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, okay. like a lot of boring stretches on the road. I mean, you, you're part of my mind just decides to go over like okay there's i have this cool idea i want to develop and that's what it does well oh, one cool. one place i find a lot of cool ideas from is playing with my kids uh my we play a lot of legos at my house and uh we uh the kids will come and like dad i made this guy he can do this this and this and i'm like hold your phone there let me uh, steal a couple of these ideas you just threw <laughs> at me what can he do what's his name okay dot 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 and it's um that's one of the things that uh, they're excited about. One of the upcoming projects we have is they help me create some of the villains that are going to be in upcoming Red Hyena stories. Oh, that is super awesome. I would love that as a kid. Like if my dad was making comics and I got to be a part of that somehow, that would be cool. Yeah, they uh, they helped me create the... Uh, the uh, it's going to be coming up next. Uh, the next Kickstarter we have for Red Hyena uh, they helped me create the the bad guy and the whole opening sequence because we watch a lot of uh, Indiana Jones, like the old movies and stuff, and mm. they really like that. And so they're like, Dad, we need to have uh, a guy going through, you know, stealing stuff from uh, an ancient pyramid. And I was like, man, you are talking my turkey, man. Let's get going. And we, we created this whole 
story and that's the one that they're really excited about because they helped create the backgrounds and one of the the main villain wow that's that that sounds really fun you know you, you mentioned earlier uh you found an artist um it, it, I, it said uh, it said that you you, you met Stephanie uh, Magician's House on Twitter, and you guys bonded over mutual rejection from a publisher, but uh, you were both rejected for different reasons and agreed to combine your strengths to make Project Shadowbreed. Could you could you tell us about that conversation a little in your in your creative process? Uh, yeah. Um, like when me and my wife were creating this all uh we found the first artist that we found um i'm gonna leave him nameless i didn't you know i don't want to trash him or talk bad about him uh but we we agreed to do this because i was i'm i was greener than the grass into this business on how to make comics and get an indie comic published and i found a tattoo artist who also claimed to be a professional cartoonist for comics he read our script for a little six page um like intro book and he loved it and was like, yeah, we'll just, you guys can pay me off the profits. I'll do everything up front. I was like, oh, that's awesome. We went to a Comic-Con here in Grand Rapids where I'm from in Michigan and we sold out the 200 issues. And he looked at me and was like, I need X amount of money up front before I pick up another pen and pencil for you. And I was just like, what? Like we were partners and now we're selling something and now you need money, like whatever, man. And so I submitted that work that I did with him to uh, multiple publishers and every single one responded the same way. The story is great. The characters are awesome, but the art sucks. And so I sent him all of those emails and said, hey, man, I'm just going to move on. The problem seems to be you, not me. Um, you good luck with all of your endeavors. And I you know, took a couple months and that's when I found Stephanie Magician's House on Twitter. Uh, she was from Alabama, and so we never spoke on the phone because she said I would never be able to understand her accent. She said she was deep south, and me being a Yankee, there's going to be no communication between us that we would build up. <laughs> so every, everything was her uh, just reading my scripts and understanding it and text messaging and emails. Uh, there was a lot of times where I don't sleep very well or very much. And so at three in the morning, my wife sees me on my phone talking to a girl from Alabama and I'm trying to convince her it's about comics and not about anything else. So that was a whole nother can of worms that got opened. But it was strictly comics and uh, me and Stephanie knocked out the five issues out of, of volume one for Project Shadowbreed, uh, just the two of us without speaking a single word to each other just all script and dialogue through text. And um, we submitted that then to a couple publishers and we got picked up from a small indie publisher and she took her uh, part of the money and said farewell to the comic business and took off. And I have never spoken to or have heard from her since. And that was in 2017. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she had been rejected for all of the writing that she, uh, for the comics that she had been drawing. The writers weren't carrying their end of the weight. And so all of her art was phenomenal, as you can tell in the five issues of Project Shadowbreed yeah. um, that she did. And so, yeah, we combined her art and my writing. And that's how we got to here. And then we had Justin Birch. Um, he did all the lettering uh, for us. And uh, yeah, everyone. It took off from there. That's how we got to that. All right. So uh, that that's pretty much the story then of how you ended up with uh, a, a, 
I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Julian, Julian, uh, Julian. Yeah, he's uh, he's from the UK. Um, mm. when the first the first indie publisher that picked us up, um, issue four, we introduced a character, uh, Red Hyena, who she um, has her own sister story. But that first issue, when we first released it, um. It, it that's the one that sold the most uh we won awards from comics central for best storyline for the first five issues um red hyena was getting a lot of that issue was getting a lot of downloads and everything and they that company couldn't keep up with paying us or with making more comics because their business plan was just absolutely terrible and so we moved to another indie publisher and the same thing happened but the cool thing that happened out of that second time us failing was amazing action comics was spawned with me and angel uh to where we are now and that's where i found the artist for volume two of project shadow breed uh randy who we're doing the kickstarter with because he worked for that same uh second indie publisher that failed uh they had screwed him over as well so both artists that i found to do project shadow breed we found each other by mutual failings at other companies and stuff so it's it's kind of cool and a bonding thing how uh julian and randy and all of us we came together from multiple pl places failing and us helping each other out yeah that's that's interesting so you and you and angel uh co-founded amazing action comics then yep uh when uh when everything was going on, it was crazy. Uh, 2019, roughly, uh, Angel, I found Angel and we started um, just talking back and forth and we were gonna start putting out more Project Shadowbreed stuff and then COVID hits and you know everything gets halted. And so we kind of just took a step back and we started really just focusing on the publishing aspect of it where we started the relaunch and looking for the new artist for Project Shadowbreed, which is how we got to Randy. Um, we kicked out more Red Hyena stories with Julian, and uh, and then we actually signed two other titles to for us to publish under Amazing Action Comics. So we weren't doing Project Shadowbreed work. It was more on the back burner while we were trying to figure out the direction for the series. So we started kind of focusing more on a lot of the uh, publishing aspect of it. All right, all right, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um... If we could, I, I'd like to get into the the five issue story arc of Project Shadowbreed. Um, I, I just have to mention how well the dialogue in Project Shadowbreed is written. Um, I I was particularly impressed uh, with your ability to deliver world building and information in a very natural feeling way. Um, at no time did it feel like an info dump, but rather just an introduction to the characters and their natural habitat. Um, but each scene's each scene's dialogue is just it's just really solid. And, and also, as a horror fan, I <laughs> I found uh, Project Shadowbreed's gore to be very entertaining. <laughs> I love the Persuader's truck full of dead bodies. <laughs> that, that that part was really cool. When I saw that, I said to myself, "All right, this is getting really good." <laughs> and I and I'm guessing with this kind of stuff that you have a love of horror as well. Can you can you tell us about it maybe and and the influence on the story? Uh, yes, thank you for all the kind words to begin with. That's awesome. Uh, yes, I am a horror fan. Um, I love like the classic horror, which is kind of what got me into the werewolves. And I wanted to, everyone does the 
you know, you get bit by a werewolf, you turn into a werewolf or, you know, the classic werewolf storytelling. I always wanted to make it something different. So that's where we kind of took the scientific aspect of it, where everything, as you can tell in the stories, are being created through Syntec Labs. And the werewolf soldiers are, you know, they're all man created instead of uh, the folklore. And uh, it's, I think uh, my first love with horror films uh, would probably have to start with, um, geez, I'd want to say like the one that really, like really grabbed my attention would have to be, um, oh my God, Justin Long's in it, uh, Jeepers Creepers. Oh, hmm. good one. Good one. Like that one, like I always liked horror movies. I could sit and watch them, you know, but none of them really like story-wise like grabbed me. You know, the, the slasher movies, the back, like that one really made me just start getting into well, every 23 years for 23 days, you know, this thing gets to eat. And that's what really got me into like, wow, you can really build a whole universe in 15 minutes if you do it correctly with the dialogue. And that's really kind of where I started with my writing kind of looking at stuff where you can have stuff just passed along easily using a character as a stand-in for the reader. Instead of having the reader have to read a big intro, you can use characters as kind of stand-ins and have everything sort of explained to them while still adding a bunch of people getting their heads blown off at point-blank range by a 9 millimeter by a werewolf. So, I mean, it's... It works out. I guess I just kind of found a niche for my storytelling. Uh, I guess to answer it all together. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, I think it kind of leads in pretty well to, to what I was going to ask, which is I, I really find it interesting uh, that Maroc is quite literally a dog soldier. Um, making him a werewolf, I just thought that is a really interesting metaphor for some of the issues that soldiers actually deal with. Um, and, you know, and the thing with Maroc is he was created as a weapon and he has nothing to come back to other than Leroy. Um, he's a pack animal and, and he only shows and he shows loyalty to Leroy, like even at the risk of his life. But he also has a lot of aggression and, and his way of dealing with it is killing these corrupt people that are running Seattle. And it's just great. Um, I, I was wondering uh, what the thought process process was behind uh, Maroc specifically and if there were any issues you were trying to discuss with the character um I guess well Merrick the way that I found his name I was looking up uh, like other words for werewolf and I stumbled across this spelling of uh, Merrick and it's an old Scottish term that uh, medieval knights used to give other knights that seemed to be unable to be killed on the battlefield and I was oh. like I'm like, that's the perfect name. Like, that yeah. is awesome. Like, this guy can't be killed. Oh, sweet. And then it just kind of grabbing into, like, the werewolf mythos and, like, the soldier aspect. And um, I, I, I guess I battle with, like, a lot of anxiety. Like, not so mm. much, like, ang like I, I guess, uh, more abandonment anxiety issues from, right. like, stuff that happened in my childhood. And so without my mom married an awesome man who's my stepdad who i call my father and that's what i use as the inspiration for merrick and leroy is merrick and leroy are not related and when this merrick is half man half werewolf leroy's a retired uh sniper from you know the marines but they have a almost like if you're reading it like a father-son relationship but it's more like the stepfather-son relationship because like as you said merrick has no one to go to except Leroy and he has these pack animal 
tendencies that are built into his DNA from what Syntec did to him, but he doesn't have that pack. He has just one person. So it's kind of like a that rogue alpha male trying to find his new his new pack, what he's gonna call home. And that's kind of where we're building the stories where everything's gonna be going. And uh I forgot what the last part of your question was about an issue. Um yeah, like uh, whether or not like you were dealing with like issues like with soldiers coming back or you know, things that, that, that they were dealing with, because it seems like um, Merrick really is kind of in a lot of ways a metaphor for that, you know, just like not being sure what to do with yourself um, and, and not having like a purpose other than, you know, going out there and killing. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I, I was more writing it as myself, where being like that lost person, because I am not a combat veteran um, or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I guess i seeing how you guys are uh, interpreting as same with soldiers looking for that that peace and that uh, trying to find that closure coming home from war and combat. Um, it was the same for me with uh, the abandonment issues and stuff that I was dealing with at the time, trying to understand everything. And really just this writing has just been a way for me to work through a lot of stuff and help me understand myself better and how I function around normal people in society. Yeah, that it actually totally makes sense to me. And and actually, I was going to ask like about uh, Leroy and where he came from, but I think you pretty thoroughly answered that. Um, I, I will say, though, honestly, um, like I hear uh, Leroy as Keith David. Um, you know, is there any like particular person that you kind of think of when it comes to, to Leroy or how he should sound? Um, honestly, I picture him as a it's a combination of my dad when he makes he 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 quotes Chris Farley a lot, like with the like what the hell, you know, stuff like that. And so, I always picture a little bit of my dad in him, and then a little bit of uh, just like the just old school, just how I picture guys talked back then, like you know the Greatest Generation type era, like the old school guys. Like I trying to just picture how I think he should sound with a little bit of you know swagger in him. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. That comes across pretty well. Um, I, I do have like familiar with those kinds of people, and he definitely has that that feel to him. So I think you did a good job there. Um, now um, I noticed that government conspiracies are very much a backdrop to this series. Um, I mean, there's the Project Shadow Breed itself, but um, the book references things that uh, add a sense of realism, um, and that came to mind especially to me when Merrick and Leroy were drugging that one cop to extract information. Um, because, and I had done some research on this before, um, actually like on the History Channel, and the, the CIA really did use LSD for mind control experiments. Um, so to me, it made sense that, that CIA trained road operatives would have used acid as an interrogation tool. Um, did you do any research on any actual government programs or techniques when uh, you developed this? We're not allowed to talk about MK Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying not to mention it by name. But were you, think you were thinking of it, though. Well, I've told my wife many times, um, I have to be blacklisted for the stuff that I look up on uh, my computer while I'm writing. Uh, I'm like, if there was a helicopter the other day just, you know, flying around and I kept looking out the window and she goes, what are you doing? I go, you're on to us, honey. Delete the computers. And she's like, oh, you know, it's just, but uh, no, I, that's my wheelhouse. I love, I absolutely love sitting down and jumping on to whatever streaming service is up on the TV and finding the black 
black pyramids of Alaska or, you know, what what are the aliens plans for us? It's just because it's so it just makes you think of just like that weird, like what kind of weird shit can I get into? You know what I mean? So I you gotta you know, be I, an X Files guy, then, right? Oh, so much X Files! I love it, and that's one of the actual inspirations for this. Is I wanted, I wanted to tell a continuous story, but each issue almost be like a separate story, kind of like how the X Files. Like one episode, there's a guy who lives inside his brother's belly button, and they travel from a carnival killing people. The next one, there's aliens in a warehouse, and they have Mulder's sister. Like it all made sense. But we're still telling separate stories, and that's what I was trying to achieve with all of these issues that I'm doing. Awesome. Um, now, we eventually learned in the later issues that uh, Merrick was originally part of a pack, uh, but he was taken out because of the infighting between the alpha werewolves. Um, I presume that Merrick was, was one of them. Um, are, are we eventually going to see what happened to the other alpha and the rest of the pack? Um, and can we expect to see a reunion with Merrick at some point? Well, funny you should say, because Volume 2 is dealing with a lot of that um, stuff that we're getting into. Uh, as you said, Merrick uh, was one of the alphas, as you learn uh, throughout the first volume in the five issues, and he was separated from the pack. Um, and yes, eventually you are going to begin seeing the other werewolves. Um, we're going to be introducing a werewolf in this second volume, uh, his name is Mange. He's one of the other uh, werewolves that was created. And then there's also the ones that are in the pack. And yeah, everything is going, there's going to be breadcrumbs all leading up to it. But eventually we are going to have uh, Merrick and Leroy and one of their allies that they make uh, in volume two versus um, Mange and some other werewolves. Awesome. Very nice. Very nice. All right. You know, but I'm I got to say, I'm liking this more the more you talk about it. Oh, I can talk about this all night if you guys will let me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little unclear as to what happened um, in a couple of scene breaks uh, in in issue four and five. And, and I, I was hoping maybe you could help me help me understand. Um, the first one was when Merrick uh, went to the hospital to see Leroy. I mean, he had been all shot to shit in issue three, uh, and, and I'm by the looks of it, he was in intensive care. And and Merrick says uh, says the old man that he really needs him to wake up because uh, despite saying that he didn't need him earlier, he does in fact need the old man's help. Um, seeing how bad that guy was shot up at the end of issue three, I wasn't sure the old man was going to make it at all. Uh, but but then in the very next panel, the old man uh, uh, and and him are in the middle of a conversation. Um, uh, what what happened there? Well, um. It's supposed what happened in the script originally, it's supposed to be another panel to show him sleeping and resting. And it's supposed to have a word box saying, um, I think it was a day later of him sneaking in. So there's supposed to be a little time difference. But when we when I switched from the other publishers, we didn't get all of the pages. So there's a page missing with everything that's going on right now. So actually what we're doing to correct that for the future issues going out, because um, Stephanie had the originals, Magician's House for one through five. Uh, we're going to traditional black and white comics for Project Shadowbreed, which is all what volume two is gonna be, a lot like Sin City, that just dark, gritty, black and white comic. And so Angel is actually going through right now 
for issues one through five and is making them all into the standard black and white. And we're going to be fixing that with dialogue to explain what happens with Leroy and that time difference of seeing him, you know, shot to shit laying in the hospital bed to those two talking. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing that the, the same thing happened there in issue, in issue five there, where we're like, it, it has an undefined amount of time later where they're there. We you see Leroy and, and uh, Merrick actually fighting and Leroy even actually whooping his butt a little bit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That's the same. It's the same thing. Have There's a, a, a a word box missing explaining like, hey, such and such time has passed between issues four and issue five. And then you're also going to find out there's a little more uh, to Leroy's history uh, that he's not letting uh, Merrick know. And you start finding that out in volume two. Nice. Ooh. More more secrets coming out. I love it. Um, yep. Now, there, there, there's cool. a moment that struck me in the last issue. Um, and I really say I will like I love this exchange. Um what kind of monster are you? And I love Merrick's answer to this. The kind the city needs. Um, I, I really love the line, but it raises the question. Um, Merrick and Leroy become monsters to read Seattle of worst monsters. And Merrick literally is a monster. Um, but but Leroy said his share of dark deeds as a soldier. Um, is that something that might eventually catch up with them? And how aware are they about how close to the line they're walking with what they're doing? I would love to answer that in detail, but the best way I can tell you to is support the Kickstarter and read Volume 2, Issue 1, and Volume 2, Issue 2 when it comes out in a few months because those things are exactly what uh, is going to find out. Merrick and Leroy are going to stumble across... Uh, some individuals who have been sent from Syntec and from Lawrence Andrews uh, to bring back their missing asset. And uh, you're going to find out some stuff about Leroy's history and uh, a lot of other things that happened at Syntec as well. I love it. So that, we're totally that, picking up what you're putting down there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, I do want to read this for myself. So uh, that's absolutely totally a fair answer. Um, now, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Red Hyena. Um, one thing I appreciate about, about her is that you had her appear in Project Shadowbreed to establish her before you spun her off, and I, I really, really do like that. Um, that gives the character some time to breathe and allows the audience to get to know her first. Um, but can you tell me about, or, or us about, why you wanted to focus on her and what made her a good character to build a series around? Um, and were there stories you al always had in mind with her, or did she just kind of evolve that way? Um, Red Hyena is me written as a woman. So mm. I wrote all of her scripts first as myself if I was going to be in those situations because I have a very smart mouth on me. And so <laughs> I, write, I write all of the jokes as if I was saying them and then I go back through and change it so that it would be from this super awesome badass girl who is the Indiana Jones with Iron Man tech. Uh, of our universe she is i love writing her um my dad with the first time he read issue four he called me and said you're red hyena aren't you and i started laughing i'm like i am like i literally wrote it as me and she she is me and uh i may i based her off of uh my eighth grade crush uh rachel true 
Uh, most of you would know her as Mary Jane from Half Baked, the movie. Uh, mm. I, had the biggest, I had the biggest crush on her growing up. And so I was like, you know what? Let's make Red Hyena look like Rachel True and with my personality. And hell yeah. And so that's how she started up. And it started just to be a character who was going to just make appearances here and there in the Project Shadowbreed series. And then, you know, issue four sold. That was the one we sold the most of, and everyone loved her. And, you know, my friends and family would talk about they want more Red Hyena stories. And so and I tossed the idea around with Angel. And I was like, what do you think about us, you know, just writing the Red Hyena stories and kind of making them more like, you know, shorter stories instead of a series like one-shots or like mini-series and just having her just bounce around and then randomly popping up again in the PSB series. And he loved the idea, and I told him the... Uh, the idea I had for the the head games uh, story, and he laughed about it, and you know my wife laughed about it because it was all it literally that entire series is based off of the joke she says at the end of issue three, where she says this is I guarantee I can promise you this is the worst head I've ever given. Um, <laughs> the whole the whole series I told my wife I go I'm going to write a comic book about that line that joke, and she said I couldn't do it. And I did it, and I made it into a three-part miniseries. And when she got done reading it, she looked at me. She goes, "I can't believe you turned that into an actual story that makes sense where you could use that line." I'm like, "You're damn right, I did." I'm like, "Challenge was accepted, and now you need to do the edits so we can make with the comics." And so that's nice. that's how she got here. And now, um, Red Hyena. That's my like Project Shadowbreed is my serious dark humor when there is the jokes, uh, horror story. And Red Hyena is my goofy thief off the wall. I get to make dirty jokes and just be a goofball with her. Just, she's just a fun character to write. Right on, right on. Um, I got I got a question though about um, in the in the credits when I was in in, in Red Hyena. Um, who who were the interior? Who's the interior artist and letterer on issues two and three? I, I see that there are different cover artists, but um, that uh, who who actually did those two jobs isn't really all that clear. Is there is there a story behind that? No, it's all Julian did all of the art, the interior art, and the lettering. Um, the, nice. Uh, the covers, yeah, he's so good, and he did all of it for the upcoming Red Hyena story too. It's a forty-page one-shot, and he's he's doing all of it. it. It's a black, white, and red. It looks phenomenal. It's so good. Um, but anyways, uh, back to the head games. And then the covers were done by uh, Angel did some covers. And then uh, one of my friends, Mark, uh, who lives here in Michigan with me, he, you know, growing up, I was the goofball guitar player and writer, and he was the awesome artist. And so he, you know, he's a dad, you know, husband, you know, works a 40-hour job, but he's this awesome artist. And I just asked him to help me out with some covers. And you know, he did, and then I got to publish those covers as from my publishing company, Amazing Action Comics, for one of my best friends, and bring it to him and be like, dude, you're a published artist now. Like, people are buying your work, and, like, it's just a huge thank you from me, and, to, like, I don't, I just, I want people to see the talent that my friends have, because, you know, a lot of people don't want to take the risk in putting themselves out there, so since I'm doing it, I'm grabbing all of them by the balls and making them do it, too. <laughs> nice nice uh so 
There's a scene in Red Hyena that totally reminded me uh, of this scene, and I, I want to make sure I'm picking up what you were putting down there. Uh, now, this is where Red Hyena ha has her new armor, and those guys unload on her with the assault rifles, and afterwards she says, okay, my turn, and fires back at them. That seemed like a nod to the first Iron Man movie, where Tony comes out of the cave in the new armor, and th is, that, is that what was going on there? I may or may not have been watching that while I was writing. That's all I will say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> that is totally fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I will say it is possible for things to slip in without necessarily intending to as well. So I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. Um, now, um, Justin, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've already talked about uh, a little bit about Volume 2 of Project Shadowbreed uh, and the Kickstarter, which I, I know you want to talk more about. Um, can you talk about what's coming up with uh, Volume 2 beyond anything you've already said um, and anything that backers can expect to see the book? Uh, they support the campaign uh, beyond what we've already discussed. Uh, well, if you do uh, support the campaign, the comic that you will be receiving, uh, the bonus stuff we're going to put in it is you're going to get a copy of the script. So you'll, you'll be able to see what I sent to the artist for them to interpret from my crazy ideas. And then you'll also get some of like the character sketches and development we were doing, um, notes and stuff from me and the artist and Angel of stuff we were thinking of. Um, I believe there's four different covers and stuff. There'll be an art gallery of all of the covers put into it. Um, but the best part is, is the story. Because if you read the Red Hyena story, uh, you met the villain Rockjaw. Um, yeah. I love I love Rockjaw. Well, Rockjaw has been hired uh, from Lawrence Andrews to come into Seattle to help deal with the vigilante problem. So it's our first crossover with a villain. Um, which is one thing I'm super excited about. We're going to have him crossing over. And then we also introduced two other villains. So uh, the, the title of the issue is Two's Company, Three's a Crowd, because uh, you got American Leroy taking on three new bad guys that have been brought into the city uh, to bring them in. And it's just more of the little tidbits and crumbs of uh, the conspiracy theories of what's going on with Syntech and Merrick's history and Leroy's history and how he actually fits in with Merrick's past and he doesn't even know it uh, to how these new bad guys are going to be causing problems and everything in Seattle. There's there's so much stuff uh, being added and built up uh, in this volume. Uh, so by the time you get to issue would be issue five at the end of this volume, uh, you guys will have 10 stories that I'm willing to bet will rival anything Marvel and DC are putting out. Wow. Well, uh, some people would probably say that that's not a very high bar, but I, I get where you're coming from, and that's awesome. Um, if you don't, so, um, not doing it right. I believe that's how much I believe in these projects. And every time I talk with uh, reviewers or people who just picked it up and read it, everyone loves it. And that's the thing: is people need to stop just reading the big two and take a challenge on these indie stories because. Not just mine, there's a lot of us amazing indie guys who got some awesome stories that people just need to take a chance on and actually pick up and read. Amen, well Absolutely. said. Yeah, that's why we're here. Uh, so um, is there anything that you're expecting as far as the campaign goes um, or any other rewards you want to talk about? Uh, oh, we have Merrick dog tags. 
uh, that's one of the perks you get uh, as one of the rewards. Uh, we got dog tags. Um, I believe we're going to have a uh, blank cover so you can get custom uh, covers uh, uh, for the issues from the artists. Um, we have brand new shirts, shirts, hats, pins, stickers. Uh, oh my, there's, I can't even remember everything off the top of my head. I wish I would have wrote it all down. That's poor planning on my part. Uh, <laughs> um, Dog tags is a really cool bit of merch for this, though. I just got to say that. I do love yeah. that idea. That is awesome. <laughs> He was like, I'm going to get us some dog tags, some Merrick dog tags. And I was like, man, that is awesome. <laughs> Literal dog tags, now that I think about it. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, do you have any other projects you want to tease or talk about that we haven't already discussed? Uh, honestly, um, if, if people are looking for some amazing uh, comics, not just the ones that I write, visit AmazingActionComics.com. Uh, we have two other titles, uh, Drunkard Out of Space. It's an awesome, thick one-shot. It's a good comedy, horror, you know, villains from space. They drink beer. Ronnie, the bartender, you know, cuts him off. It's You're cut off, and he has a shotgun cleaning up his bar. Uh, we got Courage is a four-part little mini-series that we signed um, from Dino. Those guys, I believe, they're all up in Canada, so it's you know, a little international indie comic business. And, uh, yeah, it's just support the indie comics and... You know, just uh, enjoy comics, really. Just don't be afraid to be yourself either, I guess. Uh. Very nice. Very nice. That that actually about wraps up our interview questions. But um, it, can, can it, is there somewhere else, uh, anywhere else they can find your books uh, besides AmazingActionComics.com? Uh, uh, and also, where can we find you online? Um, well, you can get our books. Uh, the online store, AmazingActionComics.com. Um, you can pick up Drunkard Out of Space is also available through uh, Powerhouse Distribution. So you can look up them and see what stores are supplying uh, with that comic. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Project Shadow Breed, uh, Twitter at Project Shadow BR. Uh, they wouldn't let me put the EED. So it's just Project Shadow BR, uh, hi at Hyena Red for the Red Hyenas Twitter. And you can find uh, Amazing Action Comics on Facebook and Twitter, both um, at Amazing Action Comics. Nice, very nice. Do you, do you plan on uh, putting those on any other uh, any, any other platforms like digitally, like for instance, uh, like um, I don't know, like Amazon Kindle or anything like that? Um, Red Hyena is available on Amazon Kindle, and I actually think right now it's a free download. So the Red Hyena mini uh, mini series head games. Is available on Amazon, and I'm pretty sure it's a free download right now on Kindle. Um, right on. And then, yeah, we put we put the stuff up on Amazon. Project Shadow Breeds. Once they're uh, done being um, updated by Angel and our new black and white, those will be up on the Amazon and the other digital platforms, and they'll also be available digitally um, on our website. Awesome, awesome. I I, I want to say thanks for coming on the show, and mm -hmm. and you know we wish you the best of luck with your project Shadowbreed Universe and your Kickstarter for Volume Two. Thank you guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to take this uh, opportunity. I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. 
But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.